Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Course on Pulse. Uh, today is May 15th, 2016. We are exactly 214 days away from Rogue One, and with me as always is James and David. I'm going to be so psyched once we get underneath 200, and then psyched again when we're down to double digits, and then we're super pumped when we're down to, you know, under 50 days. Yeah, that, that's going to be an amazing time. This is not an actual play podcast. We'll be bringing that back uh, in a week or so. This is just a regular news roundup. A lot of little things have been going on uh, since we started the actual play and a little book review there, so we just want to go ahead and cover them right quick. I don't know, where you guys want to start talking about here? We got a couple articles amassed. Uh, you know what? Why don't we start off with one of your articles, Tom? Uh, specifically with regards to uh, Battlefront 2. Yeah, it looks like Battlefront 2 from DICE will be coming out in 2017. And then there was a little de facto schedule released for uh, the upcoming games. It looks like we're going to get a yeah Battlefront 2 next year, or Battlefront 4 if you think about it. Uh, in 2018, there's going to be another game coming out. Uh, Is that the Respawn game? No, that one's not coming out till 2020. It's Unentitled... This serial games motive Studios star wars game it doesn't have any more explanation than that and then a uh, star wars battlefront 3 2019 and then 2020 is the respawn star wars game god 2020 that's four years away they must be doing a lot of work on this game yeah hopefully that means that you know since they are really able to pull together a fun a, a good story hopefully that means that you know specifically for the respawn game they're really taking their time to to make that game but you know for me for battlefront it's i don't know on the existing battlefront that we have now what are your guys thoughts on it to me it was kind of a disappointment it was a good game they have some issues with the respawn on it and i read all the updates that have come out for it since it was released in november and they've changed a lot and they're going to continue to change a lot i remember i bought that uh payday 2 and from what the game is now from when it came out it's almost a completely different game and how it's run mechanically so you know it's it's number two uh, performing out of all of dice's games right now uh with battlefield 4 which is a couple year old game well in the lead but uh that's a game too that's come out with a lot of content after it was released and also has a, a pretty hefty season pass on it, just like Star Wars. Yeah, people, I mean, it, as long as you're going into it, it's not a single-player game. You know, it would be nice if they had, like, a conquest mode in there and uh, better co-op. But uh, I haven't really played the co-op on it yet. I've just been on the online, and my biggest complaint is just the respawns. They need dedicated respawns, and because uh, you can get overrun, and there's a lot of instances where you got guys in your respawn zone just waiting for you to spawn, and then they shoot you, which is kind of BS. But, uh... Other than that, it's a pretty good game. I got it on Xbox One, and, you know, the service for it's nice. They don't have a lot of lag issues or, uh, you know, the the system rarely crashes. I'm always able to connect to EA. I've been playing it now for about three or four weeks, so it's it's been pretty good. I guess for me, the there were a couple of issues that I primarily had with it. Uh, the first was that, you know, maybe it's because of the fact that there are lasers and the like, but the weaponry didn't, to me, seem very satisfying, at least, you know, upon launch. I've played it a couple times since then, but it certainly hasn't grabbed me the way that a game like The Division has. 
And I think the other the other reason why I personally felt a bit disappointed is probably because exactly as Tom's saying, you know, like it it really could have benefited from a conquest mode the way that the Force Awakens could have benefited from a lot more exposition in terms of the context of what was happening. And so it, it to me it just felt like it felt like a partially incomplete game. I will say though that the steps that they're taking right now uh, specifically introducing the hut contracts has really gone in my opinion a long way towards improving the overall gameplay experience because with those contracts it's giving you know higher end top tier players challenges to do in order to unlock yet more gear which means that they're not using the most efficient build paths or the most efficient equipment at any given point giving players that are just you know still kind of like ranking up an opportunity to actually compete against them with that with that equipment yeah i know i read a lot of the hate for the game online and in comparison to other games too it, like it's a first person shooter online game and the other games that it, it was compared to are like role-playing games and it's like well they're kind of you know you're comparing apples to oranges at that point oh i'm comparing this to like you know the division modern warfare battlefield 4 itself uh the the division is a a set it, that's that's a loot shooter that's not a first person shooter first yeah. of all it's third person yeah. <laughs> um still a shooter still has a story yeah but so does fallout 4 you shoot things and it has a story but that's a role-playing game this is just an online battle game it's not really a uh you know you progress your 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 character and your rank so to speak but you know it's not like you have a persistent like character no yeah comparing battlefront to the divisions like that's no (laughs) don't do that it's totally no i'm just specifically talking in terms of the way that the guns play because guns play different in every game and i i think that's actually one of the reasons why i've always been a call of duty fan versus the battlefield uh and that's really just because i never felt like battlefield's weapons gave me the the satisfaction that the call of duty weapons would you know it always felt like you really hit something hard whenever you landed a shot in call of duty in battlefield a lot of the times it it kind of feels like you're you're like spitting paintballs at people instead yeah i could see that and yeah like dave said and tom said the fact Tom mentioned that it doesn't have a single-player option, and then Dave said that's one of the things he didn't like, and I agree with Dave. I knew it didn't have one going into it, so shame on me if I feel like I wasted money, which I don't, but um, it really could have used a single-player game just because I don't always want to play online. I, I, I sometimes like to play a game and not have to converse with people and not have to feel like I'm part of a team, if that makes sense. It makes sense to me because it's kind of like, you know, if I if I have 10 minutes to play something, I will never boot up Battle Battlefront. One, because who knows if I'll even get into a match at my skill rank. And two, you know, if I, you know, only have 10 minutes, I don't want to hop into a game that need to hop back out. You know, especially if I'm playing with other people. If it was, if it was just being by myself in a campaign mode or something like that, yeah, I might do that just to, you know, get used to it. But... When it's all online, I just don't have that, you know, expectation that that's what I need to do. I disagree with the both of you, and I believe you're both crazy. Those are crazy reasons. Uh, I, I have a feeling once you explore some more of the modern shooters, you might feel the same way, Tom. 
No, I uh, there's nothing wrong with the Battlefield games. The Call of Duty games suck, and uh, I don't know what you're talking about with this not being able to get into a match nonsense. So that's ludicrous. That might actually be specifically a PC thing, because um, I have a feeling that the player counts on the PS4 and the Xbox One are probably higher. But on PC, it always feels like it's taking me three to four minutes to find a match. And even then, half the time it's empty, and it's me and like three other players on a 12-person map. That's lame. Yeah, I have a feeling it, it's at least just because I'm such a low rank right now. I think people have moved up in, in the world a bit. But yeah, that, that's one of the things that's preventing me from really like diving in. I know for like Battlefield 4, one thing they had was when you get to a certain rank, you're in a whole different class of servers. So that it keeps it pretty pretty fair for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's actually where what I'm running into, which is that I am such a low rank. Most people have passed me at this point, I feel. Huh. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it could just be, you know, a PC thing. And maybe I'm just playing at weird times. I'll freely admit I play at not exactly peak times in, uh, in the States. Dave plays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. No, not nothing that close. But still, probably a good bit earlier than most other people. Yeah, I mean, I play at odd hours, and uh, I'm always able to get into a match. Sometimes it will be a bit slim, and then I'll just play another game mode, and that's where everyone will be. But I've had, like, no issues with the thing everyone complaining about. I'm like, what are people talking about here? This is pretty good, you know? Anyway. Oh, yeah, it's a solid game. I don't don't dislike the game. I just want more. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're crazy. I think it's pretty good. Crazy, man. Yeah, but like, I like games that aren't just like multiplayer cash grabs. Okay, wow, cash grab. Uh, so what else we want to talk about here? Because I'm not going down this road. Hate. <laughs> Why don't we go with something that uh, you've expressed quite a bit of disappointment and anger at, Tom? Uh, and that is that the Darth Vader comic series is actually coming to an end this summer. Good, fuck them. Ah, boo, bad Marvel, bad. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I haven't seen... I've seen the announcement of the cancellation. It was carried by IGN. And, you know, it's gonna... With the 25th issue, it's going to end. And I think that that's a fairly long run for for a comic series overall. And I I kind of like that that they actually have a defined endpoint for this series. But at the same time, um, I wanted to kind of get some thoughts and overall feelings on, you know, just from what we've seen so far, what you guys thought about the Darth Vader that we've seen in the comics. You know, if you go back and listen to our comic episode, some of this is probably going to be rehashed. But I just felt like bringing it up again since you know Darth Vader is uh you know since his comic series is going to end. James, do you have any thoughts on him? I mean, I guess what you said makes sense. I would prefer to have a definitive end than just go on and on and on. I think what we're going to wind up seeing as the end is... So it's a story arc, right? It's it, They're telling a, a distinct story. And the beginning, Vader has fallen from grace. He is not the favorite of the Emperor. And the story follows him regaining the favored status. In fact... Um, Mild spoiler here, but in the last one, Darth Vader 20, there is there, Vader is pointed out to see the new Super Star Destroyer Executor under the construction, Executor rather, under construction. It's said that it's General Tag's new flagship. I wonder if Tag may be seeing his demise via Vader, and that's why Vader winds up with the exec, uh, Executor. 
That would make a lot of sense. It would, and if that's the case, how he goes from you're just an errand boy for the general, and you're you're like the 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 minion that kills lots of things, to favored son of the emperor again. I I, I can get behind an arc of twenty five comics that does that. Yeah, I think for me, it, the bigger thing about them having defined arcs and defined storylines is that. I feel like that's going to help prevent some of the canon bloat that we've seen in, you know, in Star Wars past. You know, the entire story arc here is slotted into something and all of the various pieces connect and kind of like tap into those those same functions and those stories are now canon. And so I don't think that there's going to be multiple levels of canon. It's just, you know, hey, this is the story of how Darth Vader came from point A to point B. How after being disgraced at the Battle of Yavin, how he wound up still being the most important guy in the Empire during the Empire Strikes Back. How was he disgraced at the Battle of Yavin? That doesn't make any sense. He let it happen. He was there and let, let it happen. But he wasn't in charge of the station. He didn't design the station. Like, I don't understand. He just was the only survivor so that he threw him under the bus? And he... I mean, he's the only survivor, so he gets thrown under the bus, and also he had the rebel in his sights, but he did not kill him. Yeah, because he got shot. How's that his fault? Like, I don't understand. That's so dumb. <laughs> I'm glad it's ending. It's not dumb. It's an interesting plot device, and it's the kind of circular logic I would expect from an evil uh, megalomaniac dictator. It sounds like something Hitler would have done, you know? Y you, you were the only survivor. You're at fault. Dead. See, for me, you know, I... Regardless of the setup, I think that for me, my favorite thing about him and about both this comic series and also the battle, the Battlefront one or the Battlefront novel for Twilight Squad is in the new depiction of Vader, which is that even beyond what you see in the films where, you know, they really effectively make Darth Vader sinister without him doing too much overtly by himself. In the comics and in the Battlefront book, they really, like, break down his menace and show just how powerful he is. And I think that that's something that, you know, really, really stuck with me about specifically this comic series. And that is it really helped to show the strength of Vader in a way that we really haven't seen before. Like, the Emperor's crazy and evil, but he's not super stupid. You know what I mean? And that makes him seem dumb. It kind of downplays the character of the Emperor and kind of fucks with the relationship I always thought they had, that line of Vader being a fuck-up, so to speak. Yeah, I I think one of the big things that, that I could see, like, people that were fans of the old canon really disliking is is that the Emperor makes mistakes. And in the old canon, sometimes it felt like the Emperor didn't make any mistakes. And that it wasn't it wasn't that the Emperor ever made a misstep that allowed others to to foil his plans. It was that other people created the opportunity to foil those plans. Yeah, I don't I don't like what they did there. Well, what's interesting, it kind of did make sense. I think, Dave, you didn't read Vader 20 yet, did you? No, I haven't yet. Uh, well, Vader 20 kind of makes it make a little more sense. Um, turns out Silo helped create Vader. Silo was one of the doctors that helped create Vader when Vader was half dead. 
on this planet Mustafar. So Silo helped make him machine, and basically Palpatine goes on this whole long monologue about how I had to do this because I knew Silo was going to become a problem one day, and I needed to set him up for his own failure, and I always knew you'd win, and blah, 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 blah. Do you understand, essentially? And Vader's like, I understand. I also know you would have been having this discussion with Silo if it had turned out differently. To which Palpatine doesn't say a word, and that's how the scene cuts. And before all that monologue, he goes into the whole idea of the Sith. And it kind of makes more sense now if the Sith were that evil and they're just about their own interests that they aren't so buddy-buddy. Yeah, I mean, they're evil for the sake of evil, but they're not, like, suicidally evil. And sometimes they go into that vein. Writers can take it into where they're just really about themselves or really about their plan. And Papeltine, for me, at least from the movies, was really someone who was about the Empire and Sith rule. And they've changed him a lot in the new and the old fiction. So, I don't know. I think that there's one thing that that you know maybe maybe James and I haven't really made clear on on these comics, and that is that you know I feel like the reason why he was able to blame Vader it it's not really suicidal at all because he was expecting to be able to create a replacement for him. As they start falling one by one by one, it becomes pretty clear that they can't replace Vader, and then you know it changes the relationship and reinforces what was done before. I mean, that's cool, I guess. What else do you guys feel like talking about? Guys want to talk about uh, some movie stuff? Sure. Sure. So, uh, John Boyega was had an interview with, I think it was Variety. Uh, yeah, it was definitely Variety. And they talked a bit about The Force Awakens and how his character, Finn, his arc. Um, the interesting pieces I got out of it was that the di- direction of episode eight is going to be bigger and darker, and it's going to be a different take. When he was pressed about uh, his darker, uh, he, he got and was just like, my skin color does because of the heat on the job. Um, basically, he said, if I answer, I'll get killed. And I'm not in episode nine. So no idea what that means, bigger, darker different take but it kind of fits with everything we've already been hearing about um how ryan johnson is more of an independent filmmaker they're going to take more risks etc etc yeah i think that you know that that fits with what at least i know ryan johnson which is really just looper but i i feel like that's that's almost in some ways expected because with with them following in some ways the the formulas for like past star wars story arcs the middle one is sort of the the downbeat you know the heroes are are not going as well they're maybe functioning at a less than heroic level makes sense yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it ryan uh, made a good time travel movie with uh bruce willis of all people so he's he's magical for doing that in my book so i'm interested to see this next movie yeah i i think it's i think it's really got a lot of potential I think in some ways, though, Rogue One might be a little bit of a screen or audience test to see how they feel about a more gritty, darker kind of storyline. Because Rogue One, I feel, is going to be in much the same way. You know, it's going to be a much darker story than you typically wind up hearing in Star Wars, I feel like. 
from all these Marvel movies, like I've never heard of Ant-Man, went and saw Ant-Man in theaters and that was a good movie. It made money, you know, it wasn't a total huge success, but it was a success. So I think it, I think this one is going to, if they can do it with movies like Ant-Man, I'm pretty sure that they can do it with Star Wars. Ant-Man! Sorry, I, sorry. My bad. Well, you're bad, but I can tell you're not really sorry. You should be, though. I'm not sorry at all. So yeah, I thought that was interesting that um, it does fit with everything we've been hearing, and it's kind of nice to hear from one of the stars of the show. He was also asked how many Star Wars movies he uh, committed to, and all he said was, we're doing a trilogy. For those that didn't realize that, you know, trilogies come in threes. Well, I think it was also him being, you know, shy and specifically not saying for sure whether or not his character would survive the next film. Yeah. Or if his character will eventually get a standalone movie. I'm hoping they're not looking that far down the path. I mean, I, I hope they're thinking that far down the path. I want them thinking about everything possible. Yeah, I just, I just don't want the contracts written up right now. <laughs> I, I will agree to that. Speaking of uh, standalone movies, this is somewhat big news, is that we have a uh, Han Solo for the Han Solo standalone movie that's going to be mediocre. <laughs> oh. No, I joke. Uh, what's the guy's name, David? This is one of your articles. Yeah, so this guy's name is Alden Ehrenreich, apparently. Uh, a, his big role so far has been in the Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. I haven't seen it myself, but he apparently he did well, well in the film. Uh, and Disney has tapped him, apparently, to be the the new Han Solo. And do you guys know anything about this this actor? Zero. Yeah, just, uh, I read about it, what you said, I haven't seen that movie yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, uh, it, this could be good, it could be really bad. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna have to, you know, the directors, I don't know a whole lot about them either. I haven't seen a whole lot of their work. I think they're indie guys too, or if not, coming from TV. But, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing, so, uh, you know, I'll just... I'll wait and see, I guess. But I'm, I'm like, I got that pit in my stomach, kind of like I did for like the Force Awakens. I always kind of had like this, this like knot in my stomach whenever I saw a trailer because I'm like, man, it looks good. It could be really bad. And it turns out, you know, you all know my opinion on it. And I got that same kind of feeling, just unease. You know, I, I call it a, a force, uh, tremor in the force, if you will. Wow. Yeah. Tremors. Tremors, tremors in the in force. force. Yeah. Millions of nerds cried out at once and then were suddenly silenced. <laughs> stop but yeah uh so rather than talking about whether or not this is a good choice bad choice i wanted to just ask you guys what what i regardless of whether or not you want a new han solo film or not we're getting one what are the things that you'd like to see in a standalone han solo film i'll let tom take a stab at that first because he probably has some very interesting opinions on that oh uh, shit I actually, I don't have a lot because I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? I that's the so, opinion I expected. And that's why I'm asking you for kind of like your best case scenario of what's the best that this film could do. I, I want it to be a success because it is a Star Wars movie. I'll, I want the product to do well, I guess, so that we can get more of them. But uh, that's about it. You know, if it's good, hey, if it ends up being one of the best movies out there, cool. If they end up doing something really neat with it great excellent i'm not i don't want it to be bad but i uh, just yeah i don't know how about you james do you have any specific thoughts on what you want out of a star wars film or a han solo film rather i mean for me it can go either i'd like either one of two different things i'd either like the story of how him and chewbacca got together 
um, because in the old expanded universe, he slaved. Chewbacca was a slave that was freed by Han when Han was an Imperial officer. Um, that's no longer the case. So who knows how these two hooked up? Converse that I'd also like to see, and they can do this all in one film, depending on how they do it. I'd also like to see how he wins the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Ooh, that would be good. Like that to me, that's the only way this movie's good. I don't want to see him like doing the and if they want to throw in him on the Kessel Run in Twelve Parsecs, that's interesting. But like, there's only so much you could do with a smuggler space pirate archetype. I want to see the stuff that they've talked about. The Millennium Falcon being the big key one, being what they focus on. Then Han Solo's story is kind of complete. You know, in The Force Awakens, we have him finally getting the Millennium Falcon back and then dying. But then we'll actually get to see how he first got it. Okay, so then two questions for you then. Which one would you rather see? Would you rather see the story of him and Chewbacca or would you rather see him and the Falcon? I think him and Chewbacca can be regulated to um, books. I'd rather see him and, and Lando trying to get this uh, the exchange between the Falcon um, and the, I'm assuming, the Sabbath game or whatever that allows it to take place. Okay. See, for me, I think I'd, I'd really like a film maybe a little bit more in the noir style where it's Han Solo is kind of like the uh, – even though he's a smuggler – him, him basically trying to figure out what's happening with his cargo or something like that. And and having, you know, a Star Wars space adventure with that. Um, because for me, you know, I, I haven't read a ton of the Expanded Universe. But a series that was very, very close to my heart was actually the Han Solo trilogy. And I really enjoyed those books. Even, you know, when I was, you know, I guess not quite a teenager at like age 11, 12. And I think that there's so much out there that would be really neat to explore and to to really work with that I'd love for that to be in in an actual film. Like him either dealing with the Hut cartels directly or with various agents of the Black Sun, really delving into the underworld and using a new Han Solo as our as our vantage point. I think that for me would be the movie that I think would would do best. But at the same time, you mentioned telling Han Solo's story of the Millennium Falcon. That would be a hard one to beat, too. <laughs> if, if for yeah. no other reason, then we get uh, a young Lando as well. No, yeah, I, th- I think a young Han, young Lando... And I don't think necessarily that it all can't be somewhat hinted at in the one movie, right? So... If Chewie's already with Han, there could be a slight hinting at how they came to be together. You know, hey, we met up on this planet, or, or I freed him, and, and give us stories for another day via books. You know what I mean? Well, in some ways, I think we already have some of the hinting. A bit. But no, I, I absolutely understand what you're talking about. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a, a young Han Solo movie that's... I agree with you, like a noir movie could be interesting. Um, It just has to be really good for a variety of reasons and key for me is i don't particularly want much more i'm not as angry as tom about having all the stuff being set in the in the uh prequel or original trilogy time frame but i do want more original new content that's post rotj return of the jedi Uh, it has to be really good for me to want to appreciate the way it should be 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that all of us are kind of in agreement on. I don't think any of us think that having a standalone Han Solo film is really what we were looking for, especially one set, you know, before everything happens. But unfortunately, it's kind of what we got. And I mean, I understand why they would do it, too, because, you know, we as adults who have read all the books and such and comics, we, we had Han Solo's backstory and, and all this stuff leading up to the movies, and that doesn't exist anymore. So it makes sense that younger generations will pick up these movies and be like, I want to know more about Han Solo. So they're gonna, they do have to fill in the gap, all of the gaps. I just want them to start filling in the other gap more. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. So then, I guess uh, the other piece of news is uh, something Tom uh, brought to our attention, which was the Star Wars Rogue One story panel in that's going to take place in during Celebration Europe in about two months now. I believe it's July 15th. The director, Gareth Edwards, and Kathleen Kennedy are going to be there to... Uh speak about rogue one they'll have a panel sort of similar to the san diego comic-con and uh maybe in and around that time we'll get another trailer or something maybe who knows oh that'd be uh, wonderful yeah we might get a second teaser soon and then uh if they if it runs like the model last year then we'd get a actual trailer uh you know in the month or two previous to the film coming out so that's a possibility if not for sure they will both be there answering questions and that more than likely will be up on youtube do you think that there's going to be a lot of information that comes out about rogue one from this uh from this event I could see that they're going to maybe do some more info on this just because we already know the end of the overall story MacGuffin of them getting the plans. You know, we know that they succeed, but we don't know how they succeed. So, yeah, I mean, they can be a bit more liberal with stuff. And, you know, uh, what happens to these characters, though, I imagine, and the fate of everything is probably going to be wrapped up tight. But we'll probably get more story than okay. we would have. That'd be really nice. Or at least some some detail on some of the really interesting Stormtrooper costumes that we saw in the trailer even would be really appreciated. Which was one thing I was looking at for the Battlefront to see if that's going to come out on this Battlefront or the next one. It looked like it's going to come out on the one for 2017. And they're going to have some uh, new Saga stuff in there from TFA. So, uh, But that will be in the next year's game for 2017, not this one. I, I'm assuming that we're going to get... A bunch more. I'm, I'm with Tom. I think we're because we know the end game, and they don't really have to hide much. I think we're gonna get more information. I think they're gonna be they're less controlling of leaks. I mean, you heard Mags Mickelson uh, say that he is the father of Jin Orso. His character is the father of Jin Orso. So that's something that would have been unheard of on TFA or Episode Eight, for that matter. So I think. Because it's going to be a grittier and darker film, they're being a little bit more forgiving on the leaks to give us more heads up. Maybe? I could be 100% wrong. I'm not sure I agree with you on that one, because, I mean, it's kind of like... I mean, Ray's parentage is kind of a weird one, as is uh, the parentage for Finn as well. But, I mean, we knew Poe's parents for quite some time. I think, for me, the, the biggest thing is really that... You know, we're looking at, I, I, I think it's going to run into something similar with what they did with The Force Awakens, where we're really not going to get a whole lot of information because there is a book coming out before Rogue One that is essentially the lead into the Rogue One story. And I could see them really, you know, again, being really coy with a lot of different pieces to preserve the essentially book sales. Do you guys think that that's 
like too conspiracy theory of me or, or do you guys think that that could be a thing yeah i don't know yeah i mean i mean i think everything you say is conspiracy theory so it's hard for me to judge but uh yeah i could see that too i could see you know they, they could give every character kind of rough outline going into the film as opposed to you know not really saying who the bad guys are because you know we kind of know and knowing who the characters are isn't really going to make the movie any less going into it. If anything, it's going to make it better. But the overall plot, I think they're going to keep under wraps. That's very true. I, I also think I, I also think that there are definitely going to be some details that are that are permanently kept under wraps. Like I think a lot of stuff about um, you know Jin Orso, the main character of Rogue One. I think a lot of that's going to wind up getting kept under wraps. I would. The one thing I almost expect, though, is I expect that we're going to get plenty of information about a lot of the other characters, uh, specifically about, you know, what, you know, Sammy Hung and Donnie Yen are, are and uh, Forrest Whitaker are sort of doing in the films. And Sammy Hung's not in this thing. So, oops. Sammo Hung? <laughs> yeah. It's like Sammo Hung's in this movie? This movie's going to be kick ass. <laughs> oh. It's got to be 70 years old. Hey, hey, he can still, he can, he can still act. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying he's got to be old as shit. But no, um, but specifically like what Forrest Whitaker and what Donnie Yen's characters and a little bit more about their backstory and what they are. That's really what I'd expect to come out of this, or at least what I'd hope would come out of this. That and some more sweet, sweet shots of ATATs firing upon people on the ground. Oh yeah, there's a lot of other characters and a lot of uh, character actors in there. I want to know more about like uh, what's his name, uh, Chinese Jean Renault. I can't pronounce his name, and it's like it's a lot of J's and a lot of X's. So my Western, <laughs> uh, my Western brain power can't can't do that. I'm looking. Rogue One. The only book we're getting is an unentitled character story reference book. I'm not seeing it. Oh, wait, I apologize. Catalyst comes out October 4th. Boom! Do not doubt me. Um, interesting enough, there's two books that I don't know if you guys are aware of that are coming out, just in, as I was par parsing this list. First, it looks like Star Wars on the Front Lines, which is a reference book. It looks like, to me, from the synopsis I read, it's going to be a lot like the um, Star Wars Gu Guide to Warfare, only a new version, obviously. Okay. And Pablo Haldago is doing Star Wars Propaganda, a history of the persuasive art in the galaxy far in the uh, Star Wars galaxy. It's going to be in-universe propaganda. Oh, that's just going to be absolutely a beautiful book overall then. It's going to be a great coffee table book. Uh, yep. Huh. Yeah, I could I could see getting those. Those don't sound too bad. Yeah, the just because like one of my favorite things is honestly to look at some branded bits of propaganda. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I love me some propaganda. Do you know what they should do is have a Felicity Jones nude calendar dressed as Star Wars characters for the whole year. You know what I mean? I would buy that. No? No takers? No, I don't think so. Also kind of confused. Um, nudes and dressed up? Well, yeah, you know, they, they, they're, you know, she's got a, a stormtrooper, uh, uniform on, but it's only like half on. Come on. Haven't you ever looked at dirty, dirty pictures, David? Come on. Uh, no comment. Uh, just no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, you wusses are both married. I am not. So I can say, bring it on. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out the fact that Dave and I could, did not point out. So if you read between the lines there, you all know we're in agreement. Anyway, uh... 
What, what else we got to talk about? Uh, let's see, we got... Filming at Malinhead in uh, Ireland has wrapped up. And there was some set pics taken from afar. Looks like Millennium Falcon was on set at the Malinhead shoot. Which makes sense, because a lot of the Irish shots... Um, this is this is let me preface this. This is all episode eight, obviously, but um, a lot of the Irish shots look like they're going to be set where uh, Ray finds Luke. Mark Hamill was seen waving to fans, and interestingly enough, Ryan Johnson does not like IMAX cameras, and also there was not that he doesn't like it, but there was no discussion about them intending to use IMAX cameras. And they definitely are using an IMAX camera because one of them was not uh, prepared properly and cable snapped and it smashed off a cliff. It's an expensive shoot. One IMAX camera down. Oof. Yeah, those cameras are pricey. They're like a couple hundred thousand dollars. I can guarantee you whoever rigged that one inappropriately probably is looking for a new job. Could be. I mean, those things are got to be insured for a whole lot of money, so they're probably up money after that. Just delete them, which probably cost them more money in the long run. So yeah, he probably is fired. But hey, and- yeah, <laughs> they're making a they're making a new movie. Hopefully, it comes out soon and it's good. Uh, it was all good uh, news. You know, the only other thing to kind of chat about is uh, something that StarWars.com is now putting together. So one of the one of the shows that really helped me enjoy Rebels and really helped me connect to that show was this regular weekly YouTube show that they did called Rebels Recon. And the thing that I really liked about Rebels Recon was that it helped me understand, you know, little bits and details about the show that I missed before. Uh, It was overall hosted by someone named Andy Gutierrez, who basically walked you through the entire episode, conducted interviews with all of the the cast members, and really let you know what was happening behind the scenes, what some of their thoughts on what was happening was. Now that Rebels is is kind of, you know, gone for the time being until season three kicks off, which could be the last season of Rebels, uh, they have the Star Wars show, which is now a weekly show that they release on Wednesday nights. And... So the first episode came out, and I think all three of us have have watched it. Is that right? I have. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just like you know what are, what were you guys thoughts about this? Uh, it's it's in its infant stages. I felt like it's definitely not refined or or finished, so to speak. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Any thoughts from you, Tom? Yeah, I mean it's fine. I'm not gonna go uh, slamming their production. Uh... Especially with ours being what it is, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's at least we got a spot we can go to every week that's official news, apart from picking through tweets from people from Pablo Hidalgo or uh, Mark Hamill or posts or what that. No, Mark Hamill's posts are quite entertaining uh, most of the time. But yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's nice to have a finally like a, a weekly thing that they can go and reach the fans directly. It's not bad for me. I I enjoyed that. You know, there was some outreach there. I really enjoyed, they had a deleted scene from uh, The Force Awakens uh, that they showed, which was a little bit of an extended shot at Maz Kanata's uh, palace. And it was one of those things where I really thought that, you know, just looking at some of the creatures that they had there was really neat. At the same time, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, mm, could you put that on the DVD for me, friend? No, they want you to watch this, and the only way to get the nerds to watch this is to give it new content. Yeah. 
You know, one thing that they did on the show that I honestly really wasn't such a big fan of was they they spent like a minute or two on the Warcraft movie that's coming out. And that's just something that I'm just like, okay, what are they talking about here? Like, yes, I, I get the joke about, you know, the Jasper load mines and the kobolds and whatnot, but I just, you know, it felt weird being in the Star Wars show, <laughs> especially for the first Star Wars show, too. Well, it's, they're doing it, uh, it's probably ILM and Skywalker Sound probably made all that, so. And it's not being released at the same time as one of their movies, so they're not going to give a shit. Yeah, no, I, it just, for me, felt, you know, a little bit of an odd choice in terms of, like, that's the first kind of, like, guest interview that they pick up. And, you know, it felt weird. It didn't feel bad. It was just, you know, not what I would have expected from it when I was watching it. Like, I remember watching it, and I was just like, all right, so so what's the connection here? Like, guys are talking a lot about, you know, Warcraft right now. Yeah, but they were talking about Star Wars, what Star Wars meant to him and his... Him growing, I mean, it's Duncan Jones. It's David Bowie's son, so, you know, you, you, you do what you want. It's not like they got, like, the director of the Boondock Saints and we're talking about that stupid shit. You know, it was this was a guy that actually likes Star Wars. I think he's friends with Gareth Edwards because they were having, like, a funny Twitter feud a couple months ago that was entertaining. You go back in their Twitter accounts and look at that. They were ripping on each other. But uh, I think he might be friends with him. So maybe that's how he got in the office. Maybe he was in the office because uh, they're uh, seeing if he wants to direct an upcoming project later on, so uh, which would be good because that movie Mooney did was really phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, it was really just, you know, the Warcraft content seemed a little bit high, but, you know, I, I, I get I get the rest of it. But overall, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm with you, Tom. I think it's going to be really nice to have a weekly show that they're putting out there, or even if it's just, you know, little little bits and pieces of news. And unless I'm, I'm mistaken... Uh, that Star Wars show was actually where they announced that Gareth Edwards and Caitlin Kennedy were going to be doing a Rogue One panel at, at uh, Celebration Europe. Although I think most people kind of guessed that and were hoping that something like that was going to happen. But it was on the Star Wars show that they officially announced it. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that, Dave. Yeah, that'd be kind of stupid to not have them there for... And our next upcoming movie, well, we're going to have Anthony Daniels come out and tell us how we all thought Mark Hamill got fat for an hour. <laughs> Which, oh. that would not be good. Oh, Anthony. But, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 fine. Uh, I hope, you know, you're saying, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of Rebels, but I hope that comes back or they do another show for that age group. I would like an adult show as well, as we were talking, but uh, I'd like for them to continue doing something for the little little kids that would be nice because that dave filoni plus dave filoni had a funny cameo in the video uh and i think that that would be good if they continue that to uh yeah and just to clarify it's like i i, I trash a lot of things but uh i want it to be good but when it's not i'm not gonna say it is just to uh save face or lie i would never lie to any of you no never except james i would lie to james <laughs> Feeling is mutual. All right. That's why they have me on the show. Is there anything else we want to go over? And I, I can't really think of anything. No, I I think that's that's a lot of it for this week. You know, in all honesty, I think, it, like, you know, it, if there's something that I'm really looking forward to coming out soon, it's probably, um, it, it's probably that Star Wars on the Frontlines book. I didn't know about it before. Now that I know it's coming out, I'm kind of pumped for it. I was a big fan of the Essential Guides back when I was a kid, 
all of the essential guides. I got like one a year for Christmas, basically, whatever one they just released. And those kind of reference books are just so cool. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to that. I always like picking through those. Uh, I think I had like the Diplomatic Corps entrance exam. It was a book that was like a test and a pretest. Yep, I remember that And it that was one. about the thickness of like my SAT prep book. Meanwhile, I've been slowly collecting the West End game source books because. Jeez, how much are those costing? Are you finding them for cheap or are they up there? Amazon, like 20 bucks. Really? Wow. Yeah, Amazon's tricky. Sometimes you'll see old stuff out of print up there for 20, 10 bucks. Sometimes it will be a couple hundred. Yep. I even was able to grab it on, uh, I just got the Imperial source book. I got it for 20 bucks with prime shipping. I was like, really? Wow. Yeah, that's not bad. That, that's actually impressive. I've got the corporate sector, Imperials, and uh, I think I'm going to get the Rebel Alliance just because, and then, and then I'm done. I got them used. I'm not getting them new, and they're in good condition. Yeah. Well, I imagine the new ones would be a King's Ransom. Some of them are, some of them are not. Good fluff in those books. Not the best system, but uh, that had some of the best fluff, even better than some of the novels in the uh, old expanded EU. That is kind of why I'm picking them up. I want to get some fluff. Yeah, a lot of things were based off that, and they went back and put them in novels because it was so good. We, we got to look those writers up and uh, have like a kudos segment or like a wall of honor for those people because they did a good job. Definitely agreed. But, uh, all right, well, if you have any uh, thoughts or suggestions or you want us to go over anything Star Wars related think we missed, please be sure to send us an email at CoruscantPulse at Gmail. You can also reach us on Twitter at CoruscantPulse, and then we have a Facebook group, the Coruscant Pulse, which David is going to put some pictures up from our current role-playing uh, segment, which he hasn't done yet. Well, I don't Boo. know, but he's going to put them up right now. He knows what's good for him. But, uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> just let us know what you think. And uh, any suggestions, ideas for the actual play, we'll be sure to incorporate them, ship names, stuff like that. We're looking to get the audience involved. And, of course, uh, anything else, just drop us a line. We're always here. Most of us are always here, at least physically. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah.